You heard that safe drivers get rewarded with Snapshot from Progressive, so you went online to check it out. But then you saw an ad for a vintage baseball cap, and now you find yourself checking the stats of that team's second baseman in 97, wondering why his stolen base total dropped after his rookie season. Wonder how much his rookie card is worth. Yes, they said it was easy to save money with Snapshot from Progressive, but they forgot about the rest of the Internet. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California, North Carolina, or from all agents. I cannot believe it. The FIA has proved us right again. Kunal, I knew it and we've been proven right yet again. And you know, for all our listeners who've been wondering what's going on, Kunal and I were the first ones to say that the FIA will soon ban the Shui, given that they don't want us to have any fun at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, rather than banning the Shui, they found a very sneaky way of keeping it off the podium in Mexico. So here's what happened. Max Verstappen crossed the line in third place and in fact even entered the podium room or the green room before the podium. Uh, But in what was the FIA's fastest post-race penalty application, Verstappen got demoted to fifth, propelling Sebastian Vettel to third place. But this is not where it eventually ended. (laughs) Hours later, Daniel Ricciardo got promoted to third place because Vettel got a penalty for doing a Verstappen on Ricciardo. I think it's funny and ridiculous all at the same time. (laughs) I think the FI were drunk. (laughs) What was going on? (laughs) They were probably drunk on Heineken. (laughs) Basically, all three drivers were classified as third at least once. To which I have only two things to say. First, the FIA has embarrassed Formula 1. Let's admit it. And second, the cleanest driver, Daniel Ricciardo in this case, made it to the podium. And this is how the FIA ensured that there was no shui on the podium in Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) I think we should thank the FIA for playing party pooper. After all, the one driver who we love to have on the podium, who loves being on the podium himself, is Ricciardo. Absolutely. But you know, Kunal, I'm still curious to discuss Hamilton's opening lap. You know, the first corner miss, or now, as the term goes, he plate stationed it. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that move. So basically, there's a guaranteed penalty for anyone pulling the Max Verstappen move, but not a guaranteed penalty for doing the Hamilton move. Or like I read online, you're allowed to cut turn one only if you're driving a Mercedes. (laughs) (laughs) The FIA claimed two things in this Lewis Hamilton saga. First, they're a bit lenient on the opening lap. And second, Hamilton did not gain a significant advantage by driving over the grass. Okay, I think I'm going to say bullshit to both these points. You know, these days, the opening lap pretty much decides the closing sequence of finishes. So there is the extra need to be more stringent than lenient Mr. Charlie Whiting. Kunal, you should go slow on Charlie though. Vettel has already given him a fair share in Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) The second point, of course, Hamilton did not gain an advantage. Okay, but are you trying to then say that Max Verstappen did? And to me, this is just purely inconsistent stewardship. 
And I don't know if it was Vettel's expletive-laden radio messages that woke the FIA up during the boring Mexican Grand Prix. <laughs> it certainly woke us up. <laughs> <laughs> it was at some 2 a.m. in the morning. And, and whoever defends the no action on Lewis Hamilton by citing the safety car period that followed, please don't. Because the safety car period was purely incidental. And the FIA doesn't take this into consideration while dishing out penalties. My feeling is that the FI were probably just too scared to give Lewis Hamilton a penalty, given how close the World Drivers' Championship battle is. You know, I don't care. In which which case, FI should go build those walls that Ecclestone was talking about. Because if the wall was there in the first place, Hamilton would have either made amends to his racing line over the grass or would have crashed and never made it you know, to turn to in the lead. It's just really funny how both Ecclestone and Donald Trump are talking about building walls. (laughs) (laughs) That too in Mexico, huh? (laughs) Strange. Actually, Ricciardo's summary of the start was the best, where he also, like us, didn't understand what the hell was going on. And here's what he said. How can you be leading the race, defend, go off the track and not get a penalty? What was different with Max's move and Lewis's move? Interesting. And also, like Nico Hulkenberg said, maybe Lewis Hamilton has friends in the FIA. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, by the way, Fernando Alonso also has friends in the FIA, if Massa is to be believed. (laughs) (laughs) I guess the only world champion who doesn't have friends in the FIA is Sebastian Vettel. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't have friends anymore, you mean. (laughs) But the question is, what does the FIA do now? Apart from not letting the drivers race, obviously. (laughs) Personally, I think we need to seriously stop over-regulating the sporting side of the sport. Vettel's defense on Ricciardo. I mean, I don't know what FIA expected him to do. Just let him drive past? I mean, no, that's (laughs) never going to happen. What Vettel did there was a typical reaction by a racing car driver. Are we trying to say that we won't let racing car drivers be racing car drivers? And, you know, last I checked, lane cutting was an offense on the public roads. (laughs) They also said that Vettel's move was abnormal and potentially dangerous. But, you know, with cars doing 370 kilometers per hour, I think everything is dangerous (laughs) at that speed. But also, let me remind you, Sebastian Vettel left enough room for Daniel Ricciardo on the inside of that corner. And given that both braked as late as possible and, you know, knowing the turning radius that was available, they knew that neither of them were going to make the apex. And, you know, this episode was a perfect example of why the Verstappen is a dangerous move. Now, if you see the onboard footage, both drivers were at the edge of addition under braking and could not make any directional changes to either make the corner or avoid each other. I think the only thing about Vettel doing the Verstappen move was that Vettel did it and not Max Verstappen. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, I think the FIA were just enforcing the rule they clarified a few days before Mexico. And in all probability, Sebastian Vettel was the perfect scapegoat. That obviously doesn't excuse Vettel's outburst. It was so unnecessary and so childlike and almost embarrassing for a world champion to be talking like that. 
Frankly, I think Vettel will get further sanctions for dropping the F bomb on live television. And that too against a respectable FIA steward. <laughs> now, this bit of fun, the FIA should ban. I absolutely agree. Although Vettel had that kind of a weekend, you know, he insulted four other drivers, and I think this is some sort of a record in itself as well. <laughs> I remember him calling Alonso an idiot and Massa stupid. Like Pablo Elizade said on Twitter, Vettel should know that his rivals can't actually hear his radio messages. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is the next tech innovation that Formula One should offer. Car to car radio. It'll be fun. <laughs> Until then, Vettel can just scream across the race. <laughs> <laughs> Verstappen said that Vettel is a frustrated driver. And you know, that's what it's seeming like to most of us. I think the Ferrari pressure is really getting to him. Oh yes, it certainly seems like. But Kunal, I have to share the best Verstappen joke I read on Twitter. So Max Verstappen is the youngest ever driver to finish third, fourth and fifth in the same race. <laughs> <laughs> and this joke is courtesy bad F1 stats. Hilarious. <laughs> I think... You know, Verstappen didn't have a good day in the office either. Or maybe it was actually a bad last week in the office. Yeah, he's had it pretty tough to start with. Though Verstappen, his trademark move got banned. And after a lot of chats with him, the FIA finally gave him a penalty. Although his penalty was a wee bit questionable as well. Helmut Marko criticised Verstappen for not managing his tyres in the US Grand Prix. Laura and Wolf criticised him for the first corner nudge on Rosberg in Mexico. So, lots of criticism. And he finished fourth. <laughs> After publicly claiming in the US Grand Prix that he wasn't here to finish fourth, he finished just that in Mexico. Destiny Max. And the strangest thing, Max Verstappen did not win the Driver of the Day award. What <laughs> is the world coming to? <laughs> And in Mexico, we saw Verstappen's first ever failed overtake of the season. Okay, that's it. This is just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, Formula One seems to be getting this whole driver of the day thing really, really wrong. So after Verstappen won driver of the day in a race where he retired from, <laughs> Sebastian Vettel has gone and won driver of the day in a race where he showered abuse on Charlie Whiting. So that is definitely not right. By the way, before I forget, Formula One botched up its communication of the race start timing. They did not consider daylight saving time while, while stating the official start time. Can you believe it? I mean, at least in India, we had lots of fans tuning in an hour earlier. <laughs> I think the only saving grace is that it was an hour earlier. Imagine missing the start of the oh race. God, they're having massacre. Massacre. <laughs> but I think starts are overall a problem in Formula One. <laughs> clutch or no clutch. <laughs> On that note, at least we now know that the clutch cannot be blamed alone. Should Hamilton not win the World Drivers' Championship this season? He's managing those starts fairly well. Yes, we've actually not spoken about the race winner and the championship rivalry yet. You know, we've only been talking about third place. <laughs> so, Lewis Hamilton had a fantastic drive. It was his 51st race victory, equaling Alan Prost's record. It's also his eighth win of the season. 
and he now trails Nico Rosberg by only 19 points. That's incredible. He needed to win the last two races, and he did win them. And uh, we've now got 50 points up for grabs this season. This means that Rosberg's second match point will now be available in Brazil, where if he wins the race, he will win his first ever World Drivers Championship. Wow! Though I don't know why Formula One insists on calling it a match point. <laughs> We're not watching tennis for God's sake. I think the sport just loves confusing fans. I think it's because the term championship point is already taken. <laughs> I I wonder if the race result would have been any different if the FIA acted on Hamilton's PlayStation moment at turn 1. You know, if Verstappen or Rosberg would have taken the lead, there's good chance that they could have won. You know, after all there was barely any overtaking possible almost all throughout the race. Ask Sergio Perez. <laughs> Nico Rosberg seemed pretty pleased with second, didn't he? I think it was just one of those days where he knows that Hamilton's turned up as Lewis Hamilton in top form, and all Nico Rosberg should do is be content with finishing second. The only interesting point about the Mercedes drivers from Mexico for me was the start. Both of them looked very dodgy and nervous, and for obvious reasons. And I think Rosberg was very lucky to survive that hard nudge from Verstappen, which makes me believe that Verstappen should have exercised some caution there. I think it would be unfair to Rosberg if Verstappen damaged his car given the World Drivers' Championship status. Although I would also admit that Verstappen has no responsibility towards Rosberg's championship. Either way, that nudge benefited Rosberg too. He cut across the corner and rejoined. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Rules are being flouted all along, Kunal. Ouch! And uh, Lewis Hamilton also said that the only reason he is where he is in 2016 is because of Mercedes's reliability issues, and not because Rosberg has changed his approach or whatever. Mind games, I tell you. <laughs> Some more mind games in Mexico. So post race. Nico Rosberg actually took the first place cap in the podium room, <laughs> and I'm not sure Hamilton was very happy about that. <laughs> As for Ricciardo, who finally finished third, Red Bull Racing had their own podium ceremony where they handed the trophy over to Ricciardo. But you know, Kunal, the shoey was missing at that ceremony, and is that because the crowds were also missing to watch? I don't know, but Ricciardo is such a showman, <laughs> and not a showman. <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Mark Webber, who finally is now going to retire as a champion, actually said that the shoey has run its course, and I think maybe Daniel Ricciardo knows that too. Is it probably time for a new party trick? I'm scared to think what that might be. <laughs> How he's going to up that game. <laughs> Uh, you know, frankly, if Liberty Media watched the Mexico Grand Prix, they would have noticed how bunching the field up and making them compete benefits the sport. See the amount of commotion around Red Bull and Ferrari. We almost forgot who won the race. And frankly, the Verstappen, Vettel, and Ricciardo battle is exactly what the sport needs, minus the swearing, of course. <laughs> Okunal, maybe with the swearing. Formula One is actually trying to attract younger audiences. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, from Mexico, so McLaren had a poor race again. Again, yes. <laughs> Force India finished ahead of Williams, 
who managed to grab yet another unnecessary pit stop of the race award. <laughs> Alonso's radio made waves again. He said, yes, I've been pushing from the start. If I didn't, I wouldn't be here. Do your job and I do mine. <laughs> I, I want a t-shirt with that on it. <laughs> I wonder what Alonso has also peeved about. <laughs> also, Nasser went 45 laps on the same tyres and still didn't break into the top via Badger GP. <laughs> <laughs> and my favourite part of the race was, of course, seeing one Pablo Montoya on the podium doing the ceremony. And like I read it on Twitter... One did the Formula One one-on-ones and this was contributed by Ubed Parker. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> did you also notice Vettel say Weber instead of Verstappen? On the <laughs> Hilarious. Vettel is clearly not over his past yet. <laughs> okay, time for some other news from the paddock. Nico Hulkenberg admitted that doors to top teams are shut for him at the moment. Although he did say that Perez probably may have a shot or is hoping for a shot at Ferrari in 2018. The good news for Hulkenberg is that Renault is building for 2017 with substantial investments. Well, Hulkenberg's move to Renault also means that Ericsson is now dreaming of a seat at Force India. That's also because he knows that if the doors are shut for Hulkenberg with the top teams, he's way off the league. Way off the league. <laughs> Ecclestone's comments on spectacular crashes and how they're important to Formula 1 is of course correct from a business point of view. But hey, he's just being really, really sadistic. I first did not agree with his walls idea, obviously. But after the Mexico Grand Prix, I think I do. And drivers should get penalized for exceeding track limits. In other news, Audi has decided to quit the World Endurance Championship and it overlooked Formula 1 to finally enter Formula E. Which now means that Formula E has more manufacturers than Formula 1. Kunal, I think we should be starting the Inside Line Formula E podcast soon. <laughs> <laughs> Felipe Massa says that he is in no hurry to decide his move for 2017. He said that DTM is an option. And I, frankly, I think Massa would be wondering... Where would Alonso be probably racing in 2018 and then decide to avoid that very series? <laughs> hey, by the way, Felipe Massa has a new record too. He's 11th in the World Drivers' Championship. For the first time in his career, he's outside the top 10. Oops. Ouch. And guess who is ahead of him? McLaren Honda's Fernando Alonso. Double ouch. <laughs> But it isn't for nothing that Alonso was rated as the best driver by a few journalists post the US Grand Prix. You know, if my memory is correct, there were nine journalists from seven different countries like Australia, France, Great Britain, Germany, etc. who were asked to vote who their best Formula 1 driver was. All journalists barring one voted for Fernando Alonso. <laughs> Well, I wonder if it was a British journalist who did not. And this is something we will never know. We will never know. But yet another record that Lewis Hamilton matched in Mexico. So he's won at 23 different circuits. Wow. wow. And that's a record he now shares with Michael Schumacher. And if Lewis Hamilton wins in Brazil, he will end up claiming that record. Basically, he's never won in Brazil. <laughs> 
and uh, actually we also forgot to mention mercedes breaking their own record too so they now have 17 wins in a single season kudos finally as we near the end of this podcast big question is will ross brown return to save formula 1 so there are really strong rumors that he's been signed on by liberty media as bernie ecclestone's replacement i can't believe it wow, wow. that would be amazing and i think ross brown would have had a few options to make his return the first would be save ferrari second would be save mclaren or third would be save formula 1 and let's really hope he chooses formula 1 <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in everyone we've had a really long podcast but that also means that a lot of research has gone in to get you all of this content you can actually subscribe to us on itunes which by the way we are number 1 on in the sports category woo <laughs> and also in the new and noteworthy category wow <laughs> of course this is currently for the english markets thank you once again for all those likes comments and in fact reviews on the itunes podcast store and we'll be back next week This podcast is brought to you by Ragu Old World Style Traditional Sauce. A great sauce starts with the best ingredients. Ragu Old World Style Traditional Sauce is that great sauce. Inspired by our founder's original recipe, Ragu Old World Style Traditional Sauce is made with delicious ingredients, including vine-ripened tomatoes, chopped onions, garlic, and olive oil, simmered together for the authentic taste you and your family will want to come back to. For recipes, sauces, and mealtime inspiration, visit ragu.com.